Well, I've been in this jury game for a minute since the very beginning. You know, only people that was before people like me, Rockin' and Mary Beatum Cats, was like Mr. T. So Mr. T was our role model before us. Killy Shoots Truck Jewels 88, his latest release. You can hear the full song at the end of the interview. So for episode 58, Killy Shoot joins me. In this interview, we talk about his influences, his history coming from Worcester, Massachusetts, his love of video games, his creative process, and much, much more. After the interview, make sure you hit up the links all on wegoingin.com. So Killy Shoot, appreciate you being a part of We Going In Presents and really glad to have you on the podcast tonight and you know something to, to just start the conversation off you know truck jewels 88 where you go through a lot of your you know inspirations and influences what was it like making that track yeah. and what you want to give people with with truck jewels 88 well truck jewels to me you know i think that you know being a big hip-hop aficionado and um you know just loving hip-hop you know for me um the golden era was like probably the late 80s. And I always remember being young, my older brothers, cousins, father, you know, you know, just around that kind of lifestyle. And, um, you know, of course, when you're younger, you know, maybe in your preteens, you know, you kind of see things, you're like, wow, this is so dope. And it always gives me back to a happy place in my life, you know, a time where, you know, hip hop was uh, hip hop. You know, I felt like there was, it was a, it, it wasn't, um, a sense of like what hip hop is now. Sometimes I feel like it gets a little jaded, but um, it was it was a good time. It always brings me back to a happy time in my life, and I wanted to get across that. I de- I definitely understand where hip hop is. I think you really pulled it off with Truck Jewels '88. When you look at like your biggest inspirations and influences, like um, who are your favorites? Like what are your go-to albums when you go back to like this is what got me loving hip hop? Uh. Uh, Schooly D, Smoke Some Kill, um, The Infamous from Mob Deep, um, Original Wu-Tang. Um, uh, I think the, probably the biggest album, you know, was probably, for me, was uh, Nas's uh, Illmatic. Uh, I think that was uh, really big for me. I think that, you know, just from where the way he could illustrate and, you know, talk about his life, you know, kind of from that from that view, from that window of seeing everything happen. I think that's when I knew for myself, you know, from where I'm from, coming from Worcester, Massachusetts, and the life I've been involved in, the things I've done, the things I do regret, and the things I've seen, the things I've been around, 
that touched me the most. And as someone that can articulate themselves in that fashion, it really stuck with me. It really did stick with me. That album was probably the first album that I felt like, wow, this is, you know, I, I heard a lot of hip hop, of course, before that, but that was one that struck me most like Nas Illmatic. No doubt, yeah. And, and I would definitely go back to that for one of my albums as well as in terms of like the, the foundational pieces. You know, coming from Massachusetts too, I mean, do you find that people expect you to like look at Boston artists and look at like, Ed OG and naming him first, and not that Ed OG isn't incredible, but like, do you find that people expect you? Legend. Oh, for sure, I love Ed O. Well, like, but do you find that like I mean, people expect you to like mm, gravitate to that being from Massachusetts as opposed to like, you know, New York or Philadelphia? Yeah, I kind of sometimes I do. I mean, I think um, you know, being from Worcester, you know, Massachusetts, I think that. You know, Boston is what everybody thinks of automatically. I mean, that's the capital. So, I mean, everybody thinks of that. And I do have, you know, I never shy away from where I'm from, um, from a neighborhood called Maine South, the city of Worcester. I'm very proud of that. And I think that Worcester always kind of has like a chip on his shoulder in itself. You know, I think we like the second largest, but yet we still got people that can't pronounce our name of our city right. So I, I do think that it's always kind of like a chip you know, a lot of people get mistaken thinking, you know, whether I'm, if I'm from New York or something like that. And sometimes have the perception that I may, you know, there's a lot of Boston artists, you know, that I really have a lot of love for. I think just on this East Coast, um, especially now in the way rap is now, especially in the underground, the new wave, not so much as before, but um, sometimes. But I think people sometimes are just, you know, where you, they ask me all the time, like, where are you from? Because the way I say words sometimes, you know, they may think it's New York. And then they hear me say something like hot, you know, I start and they're like, wait, wait, where are you from? And I think that um, that sometimes at first was something I, I didn't like, but now I kind of embrace it. It makes me very proud to be where I'm from. And um, I'm very supportive of a lot of the local scene and the state. I'm very proud to be from here. I think it's just that um, I really try to identify what Worcester is and try to show the world you know, what this city is about and my experiences, but yeah, definitely Ed OG, you know what I mean? It's a lot of artists, uh, of course, Guru, and you know, other artists that I really do respect from that area. And I look, I, I actually look to, so sometimes it's surprising, but not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. No doubt. And, and what is the local scene like in Worcester? Like what's, you know, how would you describe that? I think the Worcester, uh, for the, for, okay. So the Worcester scene, I think, you know, it's very interesting. You know, it's very split. I think there's like, you know, the young movement of more of the, um, I don't want to say commercial sound, but there's not really um, a lot on the gritty sound. I think that certain folk like myself, you know, from where I'm from, you know, um, it's a lot more of the, uh, I would say, uh, what the current trend is now in uh, the most commercial hip hop. I understand it because a lot of young folks out here, I, I think that there is, um, there was a very good movement years ago that was part of it, a lot of MCs. And there still is a very core bunch of MCs doing it, but I would definitely say um, it definitely could be better. I think that I have seen a lot more success overseas and out my city than, of course, in my city, but it's starting to revolve slowly back. But um, I know where I'm from in my neighborhood, you know, that they play the ill kills. So, you know, you know, in the Jackson, around where I'm from and where I grew up from, you know, it's a good movement. I'm happy with that. But I definitely probably see um, a lot more uh, support and love probably um, overseas, to tell you the truth. Well, why do you think that is? I think sometimes, um, you know, that, that factor, I think of what is um, 
you know, sometimes to, at, you know, locally, we kind of see things, I think, overseas sometimes have a greater grasp of a pure form of hip-hop. And I think they strive for, you know, more cut of edge where hip-hop used to be. If you're watching a movie like Wild Style, when hip-hop was, you know, you know, in its infancy, and it had a kind of, a feel like almost like punk music, a rebel feel to it, and kind of something that was a dangerous feel. I think that um, sometimes we take what we have for granted that we always have around. And what may be uh, foreign to some may be more illustrious, I think. And I think that um, some people want to engage in a world maybe that's that they can't grasp on their own. So they want to reach out to something. So I do think that. But uh, I do have to say a slightly turnaround. Um, I do see a lot of support um, from artists, uh, producers out here that I work with, like DJ Manipulator. Um, I also work with uh, Cool Chris who runs a radio show. So, like, I do see a turn around, but I always believe that for um, people that are not fully in the environment, it's always engaging to hear about something that may be foreign to them or something that may be not as tangible to them. Mm. And what does that hometown love mean to you? And how do you, like, expand on that in Worcester? Just by um, constantly, you know, I would say by doing radio, doing shows, it's more of a, it's more of a grassroots thing, you know. I definitely say like if I'm out uh, building or doing the radio shows, I mean, I definitely um, within the city, I've been a part of a lot of radio, a lot of college radio. You know, we still got a bunch of colleges uh, doing a lot of things like that. My um, my good friend Toka runs a barber shop, so he definitely, uh, you know, I used to record with him back in the day. Um, now he owns his own shop, so it's kind of like a hub where a lot of people can record and do things and put music out. So that's been a great big influence to kind of touch into that younger crowd too, and also with the you know cats with like maybe more of that uh, sound that I do, you know, uh, more of a boom bappy kind of um, street shit, you know what I mean? That raw shit. So I definitely can see. I think more of just um, just bring more attention to um, my city. You know, I feel like. Um, I want to show a different side. You know, I, I like to show the, the grittiest side, the side that I've seen that I grew up with and the side that, that I've been around. I think that's not um, shining enough upon. And that's why I really try to end the do just, you know, things I've been around and people I've been around and experiences I had growing up in Maine, South Worcester. No, I think, I think you do a great job of that, of just portraying where you're from and your mentality and mindset throughout your music. And I know Thank that Painkill is like the more recent project but I definitely wanted to talk about the big kill first, since that's kind of like the big solo project first. You know, I, okay. saw you, I saw you talking on Instagram about like just what an important project that has been to your career thus far, um, and I think it gives fans a great look into who you are as a person. You know, looking at the big kill, how would you describe the album to somebody who's never heard your music before? I would say. Um... Wow, that's a very good question. And first of all, thank you. I mean, Big Kill is a, a piece of work. You know, I, there's about 10 producers on there that I, I that created incredible soundscapes, you know, and I really uh, respect them for what they've done. And I, I couldn't have done it without them. I mean, they put in a lot of work. And to have all those producers help me craft the sound, it was definitely excellent. Um, I would say, you know, listening to the Big Kill is like, you know, Welcome to Maine South, you know, welcome to the L. You know, I feel like it's a, a proper introduction because you get a good mix of that, that straight raw shit, you know what I mean? Just that, that straight gun in your mouth shit. But then also it's something where on tracks like, you know, Cellophane, where I can, you know, go a little deeper beyond the looking glass 
and show, you know, my full versatility. So it's a piece where I think that it's, um, it's truly close to my heart. And it's something that, um, a lot of, um, emotion went into that. A lot of things, you know, on certain tracks, um, I had to dive into memories. I didn't want to go back to and places I didn't want to go back to, but it, I think it shows a very, uh, diverse and, um, a deep side of things with me, you know, it gives you a full lens of everything that I pretty much encompass. And how do you balance giving fans and, and listeners that real personal history that's difficult to talk about versus just being lyrical or like just trying to impress them with wordplay? I mean, it's definitely a duality to a sense because I love, I love the wordplay. I love, I love that shit. But I also think that, um, you know, I love to get into a story, you know. So for me, writing something like that, it's not it's not difficult to do. It's kind of difficult to reflect on, but it's probably some of the easiest things for me to do because I could just, you know, really think about those times and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of articulating myself or describing a scene and um, breaking it down. So it, it is sometimes more difficult, but um, it's definitely somebody to get across because it's like therapy, you know. You know where I'm from? You know, we ain't we ain't talking in the hood about our problems like that. It's, it's not like that. So, you know, when you come to the decks, you know, everybody's you know kind of like you know on one. Everybody's tense. And when I'm able to, um, you know, I say letting the pen bleed. When I'm letting the pen bleed on that paper. It kind of gives me a sense of um, therapy for myself. You know, sometimes you know I make a song, and um, I may reflect on something. And my man's will hit me like, "Yo, man, thank you." You know, I, I really understand that. A lot of times in my music, I have to say that um, a lot of the fans, uh, they do, it provokes emotion. You know, like they hook me up and be like, yo, man, I definitely feel that. I understand where you're coming from. And to me, that's like the biggest reward. You know, I really find the balance is not too tricky because it's just kind of like what I do. I just, it just is what it is. It's natural. So it's not difficult. And I think for the fans, I kind of just always look at it like, I just want to give them more of myself. There's, you know, humans are not just one dimensional, you know what I mean? There's many different sides to us, you know, like a lot of times in my rhymes, I like to use heavy contrast. Like, you know, we all were, <clears throat> we all were children, you know, we all were, we're not always sitting here constantly involved in turmoil. Like I, I was, you know, sitting back, you know, when I was younger, you know, reading comics, reading X-Men, and but maybe right there beside me, my brother, he's involved in all kinds of debauchery. So there's always a contrast I try to put into it, like, you know, kind of like a innocence lost at times. Like, I'm sitting here playing uh, Neo Geo. I'm playing Nintendo. I'm playing Super Nintendo. And my cousin walks in and shows me my first gun. You know, so to just show that kind of duality, that side of, like, things could be so cool. And the next minute, there it is. So balancing that, you know, with also just wordplay and, you know, um, bravado rap and shit like that, uh, it's not too difficult for me. It just comes natural, I guess. Yeah, you talk about Neo Geo and playing video games. I mean, you shout out, you know, Street Fighter, Tekken, like your rhymes are full of video <laughs> game references. So obviously you got to ask, like, what are your favorite video games? And, you know, looking back on your childhood to now. Well, you know, I came up, you know, I was a uh, computer head a little bit. My pops was, you know, he was always trying to, you know, heavy on the education. So, I mean, I could think back to Commodore 64. I could think back to the Atari. I could think back to Nintendo. Uh, I think the time that 
the most fun of my time was probably playing the Sega Genesis. Neo Geo was big because it was very expensive. Uh, my brother was involved in a certain type of lifestyle, and he, he was able to get that in the hood. That was like gold. So cats didn't even know what the fuck a Neo Geo was. You know, just seeing us play like, you know, Fatal Fury or uh, King of Fighters, uh, uh, Samurai Showdown, things like that. You know, you bring friends over, they're like, oh, what is this? They thought it was, you know, we just ripped it right from the arcade. So Neo Geo does have big reverence to me because it was, it was something that was like, uh, it was very rare in the hood. You know, everybody can kind of get a Genesis or Super Nintendo, but you got that Neo Geo back in like 95, 94, you know, you were living, you know, kind of nice. But uh, my favorite games, I probably say, um, when I think back, that's how the big Genesis had, you know, Streets of Rage, Revenge of Shinobi, um, Kid Chameleon, um, Sonics, you know, I've always been a game head, you know, I've always been with the game, sports games, any type of sports, you know, Madden, NBA Live, 2K, always, always had that, but I, I have more of a bigger appreciation. I mean, I even go into a little bit of, you know, uh, if we go on the computer side, <laughs> I was playing a lot of, like, you know, uh, games that people probably won't even understand or even know about, like, you know, from Sierra, like, I was playing, like, Leisure Shoot Larry, I'm playing Space Quest, you know, yeah, I was doing all kinds of shit back then, you know, setting up and trying to write my own code and shit. So, yeah, I was into all kinds of shit, all kinds of shit. That's incredible. And I and I love the way that you work it into your rhymes naturally. Do you ever have, like, any certain games that, like, I got to get this, I got to work this game into a rhyme or, like, you know, if is there ever, like, any intentional choices or do you go with kind of, like, what sounds good or what you might be playing at the moment? Um... Never, like, while I'm sitting there, like, you know, I got to definitely get this in, but, like, there is times where I do want to make sure, like, you know, hey, I was, you know, uh, I was playing Fatal Fury or something like that. I do want to, um, it's not like I'm really focused upon it, but I do want to let it be known, you know what I mean? So if there's that, maybe that one person that played, you know, that game, they'd be like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? So it is, uh, I like to put up Easter eggs throughout my raps. <laughs> you know what I mean? I definitely, you know, for people that, that may know about certain things like if it's a if it is a game like on the commodore 64 you know like uh real stuff is like you know i had the weight next to the commodore 64 some people are like what the fuck is he talking about but that was real you know like we were doing things at the same time i still had other interests beyond what i was surrounded by in my environment you know so i feel like my head was always just a little bit more out yeah i did a lot of dumb shit I, you know i fucked up a lot in um, life and got myself together but I always felt like, you know, my father was a great man, a very smart man, and he tried to instill education upon me and made me read a lot and really um, try to see see the world that is bigger than what I thought it was, you know, just see see further. And I think that, um, you know, the video game references kind of come natural. That's kind of just what I like. So I go, you know, you sprinkle that in there, you know what I mean? You just... You just put that on top of the cake a little bit. You don't, you know, smother with frosting. We put a little bit here and there. You know, just a little bit. But that's what I love about the big kill is the more I listened to it, you know, the more Easter eggs I I found and caught, and I felt like you know by the third or fourth listening, listen, I was hearing things that I didn't hear the first or second time. So you know, wow. what's that writing process like for you to make your lyrics so dense that it's like it's not a one listen album, but you make fans go back and listen again and again to see if they can catch something new. Wow. That, uh, well, first of all, thank you. You know, humbled by that. Um, and I'm glad you caught that. You know, that's something that, um, I noticed my music 
it takes digestion. You know, I don't think I make microwave music. So what happens is that I always feel that I have to kind of return to certain things or let people know certain things or people usually on their own will go back. You know, the big kill when it first came out, it did well. And I think that over time, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger for some reason, because I think people are, like you said, finding more little Easter eggs and stuff. My writer's style, I mean, I don't really, uh, it's just kind of supernatural to me. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a very, someone that grew up around a lot of hip hop. I love hip hop. You know, I really do. I'm not someone that just came into this. Like, I really do love hip hop. I love um, the writing aspect. I love the music, you know, big fan of it. I think for me, myself, um, did a lot of reading, you know, I, I love uh, reading a lot. And I think for me, when I'm writing, I'm trying to express myself with the Easter eggs. I kind of think of it, it's kind of like a video game, I guess, in a sense where you play a game and you may beat it once and there may be multiple endings or there may be something that you missed or uh, uh, a hidden path that you didn't go through. And I don't think it's something strategic all the time that I do, but I do try to um, lace it in a certain way where, you could have multiple listens and be like, oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. You know, for the first listen, it may be something as simple as, oh, he heavy on that street shit. I fuck with him. Oh, I fuck with the L, that's that street shit. But someone else who may not be heavy onto that may hear one little thing like, oh, did he say, did he say, uh, you know, um, did he talk about uh, Legend Shinobi or did he say something about, um, <laughs> you know, college shoots or did he say something regarding, um, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, or did he say something about Raffin the Black Manta, or did he say something about Skate or Die, or, you know, Tyson's Punch-Out? So I think that that opens up more of myself. I think it shows more of a personal side. I think a lot of times in rap, you know, I call sometimes my music, like, you know, blue-collar, you know, drug music, where I never was, you know, King Tank, you know? I never was, like, really big. I've done my thing, you know what I mean? I've been around many who've done it, and I did my thing, but... I never was, you know, top dog. So it's always from a perspective of someone that was just trying to get by, you know, product of my environment, but feeling like there's more to it, you know? So I definitely encompass everything. You know, I had the privilege to see a lot of things, you know, it's not just from video games to old TV shows, you know, um, my good, my good brother, my home team member, General Backpain, you know, we always talk about that because we have very similar experiences coming up and we like a lot of the same things. And sometimes we'll put stuff in our raps because it's just memorabilia of what we like. You know, I used to watch, uh, I used to watch Matlock. You know, I used to watch uh, Knight Rider. I used to watch uh, Simon and Simon. You know what I mean? I used to watch uh, Hawk. I used to watch, you know, uh, Jake and the Fat Man. So, like, a lot of these things would come up in the rounds because, you know, coming from that era, too, we didn't have all the channels like everybody does now, you know what I mean? If you know about that era, it was like, you know, you were kind of forced sometimes to watch certain stuff to get to what you wanted to watch. So a lot of those shows are um, are near to us and stuff we can reflect on, you know, whether it's the, you know, Six Million Dollar Man, uh, Incredible Hulk and stuff like that, uh, you know, Bionic Six, the cartoon, all that kind of stuff. I tried to um, incorporate those memories mixed with also what was really happening. While this was going on, I'm watching... Um, Let's say I'm sitting in my house and I'm just, you know, watching TV. I'm sitting back, you know, watching Three's Company, but, you know, in syndication and looking out the window, there's all kinds of shit going on, you know, police raiding someone's crib or maybe it's my crib about to get raided. So it's always uh, that kind of uh, contrast going on. 
You, know, you talked about reading a lot of books. What are some of your favorites um, more recently? Um, I my favorite, um, Behold the Pale Horse. Um, also, I did, um, that's I recently, killer, uh, recently that's, without. That's one of Killer Priest's favorite, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I think, I think you know that. Yeah, Behold the Pale Horse is really big to me. Um, I would say recently was the autobiography of J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover. Um, I've been reading that. That's kind of interesting to me to see, uh, more about this certain uh, individual and I'm a big uh, history buff you know a big history buff especially World War II um, and also um, I would say probably right now um, yeah I just finished up the autobiography of J. Edgar uh, finished reading that you know it's always good to know um, deeper about people and um, people like him especially you know guys that I think are not um too good of characters, you know, I, I want to know more about them and especially the system that I may feel that so, so much injustice to my people. Kind of like to see, you know, like I said, be on the looking glass a little bit. So that's probably my, um, the ones I finished with the most. And, um, yeah, yeah. That's probably the, just the two that I really, uh, are interested in right now. No doubt. And, you know, you look at the big kill and how that project is really, You've, you've let it marinate and, you know, you're not dropping an EP every month or, you know, like five projects a year. Um, how important is it for you? I mean, because it's kind of a common model right now to drop projects like short projects very frequently. So how important is it for you to like let the big kill just kind of marinate with fans over time and not like rushing projects through like and not letting them breathe? Well, for me... Maybe I do have the old school, like the 90s mentality, you know, with hip hop a little bit of pacing. I try to pace accordingly. But I also, I think, I do a lot of features which keep me healthy. So by sometimes, you know, doing the features and doing a lot of Lucy singles or compilations or other artist projects with DJs and things like that, I think what happens is that it creates like a loop effect where you, know, you may hear me on a feature here and then you're like, oh, let me go look at his discography. And you kind of get deeper into that. You're like, oh, what is this, the big kill? And, um, I kind of understand that in this in this time we're in, where music is um, not always digested as much, and I have nothing against it. I think it's kind of cool that some people drop at a certain level and keep it dropping. I think that's um, times have changed. It's not the '90s, so I definitely understand um, with the advent of social media and this technology now that things are different. So we have to follow a different model. I think for myself, I try to balance it out. You know heavy on the features and a lot of stuff, keep it going or keep reintroducing certain things from a past project before I fully get engaged into something new. Um, yeah, the features and stuff probably keep me healthy. And I'm, um, I have a great team, which is home team of uh, producers and MCs that always keep me on my feet, always got work ready. And I never seem to run out of work. There's always someone that, you know, I could work with or, you know, the underground right now um, is a good place. And I feel like, I've established a lot of alliances and connections where, you know, I'm always uh, always able to work and always get something out. And by doing so, it kind of brings, you know, that loop effect that brings things 360 back and they, they find a project like, what is this big kill? Maybe I missed it. And when they find it, usually it's uh, it works out very well for me. That's awesome. And then you look at Pain Kill that you did with General Back Pain. What was it like working on Pain uh, Kill? Extremely fun. Uh, it was extremely fun. Uh, General Back Pain um, is someone that I've known for quite a while. I've known him for years. And, um, you know, of course, it's my brother. We're on the same team. And, um, you know, I really have high-level respect for him. And um, 
working with him is always fun. I mean, we do so much work together where it's like, you know, we kind of know each other so well in our styles and we're both big fans of what we do. You know, I really do respect him and what he does. And um, when it's time to get to work, it's just fun. You know, it's just really fun. We have a great time. And um, that was a fun project. I was really happy about Pain Kill and the way it's been received and how it's doing. I, I was really, that was a fun project. I have to say it wasn't a, it didn't feel like it was work. It felt fun, you know, engaging our ideas and going back and forth. Truly a fun project, you know, working with General Back Pain, GBP. Truly, truly a fun, good time. That's my brother. Good time. And there's a, obviously a great chemistry there, and you guys go back. So how did how did you guys first decide, like, we're going to do this seriously? Um, I think what happened is the fans kind of dictated it. It was... um. We did a bunch of music. I mean, a bunch of Lucy's and stuff. I featured on lots of his work. He featured on lots of my work. And I think when we said, yo, you know, we're going to do Painkiller. I feel I came, I came with the idea like, hey, man, let's, let's get down this Painkiller, you know. And he was all for it. Um, we had a great producer in Chin Beats who was supplying some heat. And I kind of had the idea where we're going to go. And um, the thing about General Back Pain, that dude is a general. And he, he really had a lot of uh, trust in me. And I got to, you know, kind of like, kind of, you know, guide it. He, he rocks with me 100%. And, you know, it takes a true leader to kind of like, you know what? What you got? I trust you. I rock with you. And let's do this. And um, I definitely respect him for that. And it was, um, it was a lot of people asking, like, we did a lot of tracks together. Um, my brother, Anajay Jordan, who's a producer, we um, do a lot of music uh, with him as well. And uh, Chuck Chan from Home Team as well. And people were just asking, like, hey, you know, can we get a project with, you know, Killian, um, GBP and um, we thought about it and I did want to make sure it was, you know, at a certain level, of course, we didn't rush it. You know, we took our time, had a good time with it. And once we put it together, it was, um, it was, <laughs> it was a little shocking because it was just a little EP, you know, just something, you know, put it out there, see what it do. And um, it's just been growing ever since. So it's been, um, that's been really dope to see it really growing people latching onto it and, um, I feel the chemistry is very high between us. You know, I, I know him for a while, and I feel like when you're a fan of someone's style and they're a fan of your style, then it's just going in there and having fun, and there's high levels of respect, and there's also a, a strong trust factor. It makes the work a lot easier. It's not so hard. Not so hard at all. It's good times. That's awesome. And what's that creative process like at the song level between you guys? It's kind of... um. I feel like we have this instinct, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good chemistry where, you know, it may be, it's not really, uh, we're not sitting down like, okay, listen, we got to actually go like this. Usually it's, um, if I start something a certain way, we he can adjust. Or if he starts something a certain way, I can adjust to see, oh, this is where you're going. It's not ever like, hey, we need to go this way. It's more of, I'm going to go this way. It's like, oh, that's what we're doing? Okay, let's 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 go to oh, okay. How about this? Yeah, let's do that too. And it kind of just all comes together. And I think with our styles, it's just very you know, he's from Inglewood, California. I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. I love that. You know, I think that just bringing that together, the East and the West, and you know, I mean, I think you can hear it in the music. I mean, when you, when you got good camaraderie with someone, someone you trust, or you know, someone you consider you know your brother, friend, confidant, you know, it's very easy. It comes across. It just bleeds through the music that much easier no doubt and you know how much do you think that doing all the lucy's over the years really prepped you for doing full-length projects and, and doing stuff that will have like cohesion from start to finish mm. 
Um, I think the loose season stuff um, definitely helped because it gave me small ideas of, you know, I could put out maybe a little track of like, uh, you know, like for example, Chuck Juice just came out, um, which I did with the Blessed Girl, um, piece of the Blessed Girl for that um, production. I felt like um, it's like little, uh, just little snapshots. When you're doing it, when I'm doing the album at least, I try to go with a, a certain narrative. You know, I knew that with the big kill, I definitely want to get certain things across. I want to, I want it to be just raw as raw as anything, but I also want to show more of the L to L kill where this song's like um, Project Life, uh, you know, where it's, you know, probably, yeah, Project Life, Cellophane, those two tracks really, really mean a lot to me because they do go a little deeper. Um, they have more of a storytelling feel to it, more of a, more something that in the midst of all this, you know, all this uh, wild shit going on, it kind of slows the pace a little bit. And the Lucy's helped me with that because I'm not always in the mood to just, you know, rap about, you know, the bravado and just that, you know, boom, boom, kind of like, here, this is what it is type of shit. I'm, you know, I'm multifaceted. Sometimes, you know, I may feel some, my man may hit me and, you know, talk to me about something personal in his life that's affecting him. And that may now affect me. And it may flash me back to a point where it's like, I got to, you know what? I got to, I got to get to this right here. I got to express this. Or it could be something where, you know, I could just seriously just be, you know, walk with my daughter, you know what I mean? To the bus stop or something and see something. And I'm like, I can't believe this is still happening here. And then, you know, get back after work or something and start jotting, you know, to start getting to it. Like, wow, you know, I'm still surrounded by this chaos. So, um, the Lucy just helped me form a blueprint of putting all those snapshots together cohesively. So yeah, it, it did help me. It helped a lot to build those bridges that I needed to build to create a full album like the big kill, which it took a while, but um very, very happy with it, how it came out. That's awesome. And now looking at moving forward, how do you balance doing like collabs with other artists versus other projects you want to do versus looking at more like, full-length projects with somebody like General Back Pain or somebody else in your circle like that? Well, <clears throat> I think it's... um Now, I've been doing this for a while, seeing seeing some success where I kind of have a little bit more um, control where I can, you know, a lot of producers that reach out, I can, you know, take time to work where I know that um, I'm building a project with Ross Beats, I'm building a project with Tone Beats, um, myself... Um, General Backpair and Najee Jordan are working on a project. So, I mean, myself and Chuck Chan. Um, I, I think that right now I'm at the point where, you know, certain things, there is certain things I want to do. Uh, me and Najee right now, the most most closest thing coming out is a project from um, me and Najee Jordan called Heavy Math. That's my next um, big project um, that would be on um, Respect Through Records. Uh, so that's that's kind of a, a big thing, you know. I'm definitely happy about it, finishing out all that work. Um, it's really about the vibe and how I feel. I think a lot of producers that do approach me outside my camp, it, they kind of know, you know. Um, I can humbly say that they got a good grasp of what I do. So usually when it comes to the table, it's not <clears throat> too far off of what I already do, and they bring a certain type of sound. So. When they when they come into the table, they know what kind of sound I'm looking for. It is hard to sometimes balance all the work, but I love it. This is what I love to do. I, I love to write. 
I love to create. I love to craft. So it's never too much, but space in it. Also a project with Timepiece um, out of Australia. Great producer. Um, I think it's just um, pacing myself and feeling the temperature. You know, you don't want to um, put way too much stuff out. It's kind of like just looking at the whole map and just pacing myself. Like, okay, let me get this. I think um, I look at it like this. If I drop a big project, I may hang back a little bit and try to stay healthy on features while I get ready to prep something else big. But not not too many Lucy's or anything like that. Just try to keep enough out there to keep the sound circulating and keep it, you know, going and then, you know, focus on that next project. And it kind of creates that um, opportunity for me to work and not have to worry about still maintaining and being out here as much. I can just keep going and focus on work that for larger projects. And I think um, just by being in it this long and doing it, it just gets easier and easier to um, adjust accordingly. Well, I've been in this jury game for a minute since the very beginning. You know, only thing I was before people like me rocking and there being them cats was like Mr. T. So Mr. T was our role model before us. I used to listen to the hustlers, the boys from the hilltop. Time moves, but I paid the rules. All the guys in the shop, and they rockin' truck jewels. It was school to a nigga, so I had to study frequent. This was pops was moving work every other weekend. Peepin', slick Rick Kane and the biz. Dookie rope, gold chains. Yo, I watched it as a kid. Yes, I did. Real talk. Fascinated by the shine. Knew what time I would rock the jewels only of the vine. White lines on my mother's table and a couple nips. Old timers playing cards, talking about if they was rich. Fuck this. Gotta get the dough, pops push your blow on the low, long pinky nail, dipping in the snow. Yo, yo, five five kept it live, watching your MTV raps with my cangle to the side, no lie. Fat boys, poster on the wall, cold chilling, got the juice, cool G and Molly Ball. Yes, 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 your schoolie D E P M D long rope with the anchor. This before like 93. Now you see Mike sweatsuit, ever dealt a force with the orange tag hanging down. I was on the course, no pork, no swine. Pops kept me in the line. LL Cool J tape, put it on rewind. Yo, truck jewels, chains on the ropes, four piece rings, big gold hanging from my throat. Yeah, talk truck jewels, living like it's '88. Anchor on the dookie rope, niggas moving heavyweight. Truck jewels, chains on the ropes, four piece rings, big gold hanging from my throat. Yeah, talk truck jewels, living like it's '88. Rappers imitated them, cause they wanted to be friends, this was when Street nigga. 
rappers had the platform So we started flashing, it's the passion for the street life Put you in that grave, but for some they didn't give a fuck Wanted to get paid, yo Truck jewels, uh, chains on the ropes Four yeah. piece rings, big gold hanging from my toe yeah. Talk. Truck jewels, uh, living like it's 88 Anchor on the dookie rope, niggas moving heavyweight Truck jewels, chains on the ropes Four uh, piece rings, big gold hanging from my throat yeah. Talk. Truck jewels, uh, living like it's 88 Anchor on the dookie rope, niggas pushing heavyweight